Colin. Colin Cullis, our business unusual correspondent. Are you a whiskey drinker, Colin Cullis? Uh, yes, I love a whiskey. Uh, I, sh- I should have one on your behalf then, I'm, but I'm working, so I can't. Um, whiskeys from India. We've had whiskeys from South Africa. We've had Scotch whiskeys this evening. Um, we were going through the whole gamut. Now, tell me, please, about Business Unusual and your focus tonight. Well, Bruce, I think uh, having a strong whiskey might be a good idea for this one because the, the, tonight's topic resets the bar for disruption to business. In fact, not just to business, to everything. And it relates to two stories from the last few weeks. The first was the awarding of the Nobel Prize for Economics, and one of the two economists who won that was William Nordhaus. He's formulated a theory that prices in the cost of carbon emissions on the economy. More about him later. The second one relates to the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Now, when we signed, when I say we, the the world signed that Paris Climate Agreement in 2015, one of the things that the smaller nations, typically island nations, had asked for uh, was what the impact would be on them if we don't quite reach the goals. And the goals they set themselves was to hold the increase in global average temperature to well below two degrees above pre-industrial levels and to pursue efforts to limit the temperature increase to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. Now, I don't think most people have really thought about that. And if you had to tell them two degrees and put them in a room that's 21 degrees or 23 degrees, they probably couldn't even tell you the difference. But at global average temperature, it is very, very significant. And what these nations were asking is, if we get to 1.5 degrees, how bad will it be? And so from 2015 until just a few weeks ago, Uh, Almost 100 scientists, including some from South Africa, have been poring over 6,000 pieces of research and answering over 40,000 questions on the drafts from their peers around the world to produce this report. And it's not good. The prospect for one and a half degrees seems to be certainly more significant than they thought it would be. And the very scary notion is the plan was to keep it to under 2 degrees or at least not to hit 1.5 degrees of pre-industrial levels. Well, of course, we're post-industrial. That was 200 years ago. And the climate average temperature has already risen by at least 1 degree. So we've only got half a degree to go. And we need to hit that by 2040. That's less time than it takes to age a fine whiskey. And, and this, is, this is where the, the real trouble kind of starts. Because what it will take for us to do that is to basically get to zero emissions in the next 22 years and then continue removing carbon, net removal of carbon from the atmosphere till the end of the century. And what these scientists have determined is not that we can't do that, it's that we won't. There just isn't enough appetite from some of the biggest emitters to be willing to do this with the kind of regulatory environments that we have. The, the politics at the moment doesn't seem to suggest that we're going to hit it. And one of the largest ones, of course, would be what's happening in the U.S. However, they do point out that if there is a way we're going to do this, we're going to need to rely in part on that scientist who won the Nobel Prize, the economist, not the scientist. And his deal was to say we need to work out how to cost carbon emissions into the economy and create a tax. Your second big step should happen around now because taxes <laughs> is definitely not what most people want to see as a way of solving global problems. But at the moment, it appears to be the most effective one because if you try and rely on politi- political will and us doing the right thing, well, humanity has shown to have not always the best uh, uh, track record for doing that. But when you tax something, you effectively create two things. One, we stop using it, or we find an alternative, or we find a way to make it less costly. 
And his genius idea was to say, let's work out what a unit of carbon emissions, a ton of carbon emissions, would cost the economy, and then apply it to the countries, the companies, and the places where we most uh, are, are emitting the most amounts of, of carbon. If over time we can implement that, uh, not only will you get those companies to move away, invest in better uh, options, you will recoup a whole bunch of cash, which could either be used then to offset uh, the development of new greener alternatives, or use it to help um, subsidize those who are most at risk of it. And, and one thing is clear from this report, that developing nations are going to be the most uh, at, at risk. Uh, and it's not just to say that rich nations will say, well, then that's not our problem, because the humanitarian and the potential refugee issues that grow from the impact on uh, poorer nations will effectively uh, you know, impact on everybody. And if you want to get a, a current example, just type Venice into your search bar and see what's going on there at the moment to see how much this will start affecting everybody. So the um, we've seen that we've seen. Sorry, Colin, sorry, Colin. We've seen the the flooding, of course, in Venice and people standing knee deep in water in St Mark's Square, uh, and all of that this evening. I mean, it comes down to incentives and the way in which we couch those incentives. And you've got to incentivize people to use less, and tax is one way of doing it. Tell me about the impact then on South Africa. So, so our, our, our biggest implica- implication for South Africa will come from our largest emitters, and that's kind of ESCOM, SASO, and, and, and our fuel usage in the country. Uh, and, and the current sort of suggestion, we've, we've, we've kicked around the notion of the law. South Africa is a signature. We are looking to t- bring it into place. The plan is for introducing it around about 2020, and for the cost to be approximately 120 rand a tonne. That in itself maybe doesn't sound a whole lot, but for something like ESCOM, which does something in the order of 200 million tonnes of emissions, that is a massive amount to add to the costs that it already is struggling with, with debt and the cost of providing electricity, which will need to be passed on to us. And so many would not be able to necessarily absorb that. The second one would go into the fuel. And the, 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 um, the projection there is somewhere in the order of about 20 cents a litre additional onto the fuel price, notwithstanding the, you know, the fluctuations that come from, from the other costs. So in some respects, we're going to have to go gently, gently. In other respects, we're going to have to bite the bullet and, and take the medicine and, and do what needs to be done. The most important thing, though, is that there's very little alternative if we don't do this because the cost of not doing it far outweigh the cost of doing it. However, the cost for, for, for actually implementing this and the will for businesses to, to accept it is not going to be great, in which case the opportunity for doubling down on the potential innovations with technology are huge. And the notions of finding those alternatives and really, really encouraging not just the South African economy but all economies to find alternatives will be massive. Uh, and we're going to have to just wait and see and hope uh, that we can get it done in time. Colin Cullis, it's enough to drive even teetotalers to drink. Thank you, Colin Cullis. Business Unusual correspondent this evening on The Money Show. While sin taxes might make you groan, they may be the only way to save the planet.